If you've got your Bibles, let's go to go to Mark. I have no idea where this is heading. You have no notes. All we have is a word. You know what, Tommy, go to go to Matthew nine first. I know I didn't give it to you. Chapter 9, start at verse 14. And then we'll switch back over to Mark. Starting at verse 14. Then the disciples of John came to him, him being Jesus, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of a bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts on a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins break. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Now let's flip to Mark. And go to verse 21. Chapter 5. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. One of the rulers of the synagogue named Jairus by name, and when he had saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, and she may be healed, and she will live. Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had flow a blood of others and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him and in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that power had gone out from him, turned around to the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, 
came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult, a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him, Peter, James, and John, and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and he said to her, Talitha Kuma, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given to her to eat. I entitled this Make Room. I had a thought the other day that came up and I posted some of it on Facebook and More often than not, you know, we, we have a tendency to fill our lives with so much that we don't even have room to share with Jesus. There's times that we're looking for things for God, but when God attempts to bring them into our lives, we are so cluttered with other things that he can't even drop it off. A lot of what we miss in our healing and our breakthroughs, I feel, go back directly to what we carry. It's not always God's fault. It's not always Satan's fault. The problem, most cases, lies. Big eye. Inside. Isn't it amazing how inside starts with an eye? It may just be that we have yet to make room. God oh we we walk and we're filled with with the breath of Christianity if you will and and we we talk a good game with one another inside of the walls what are we doing outside of the walls that would be one of my biggest questions to myself but here we have it, was, it, it struck me that Matthew would go and right before Mark and Luke talk about this coming, 
Matthew spoke about Jesus giving this speech about the kingdom and how you can't sew old patches or new patches to old clothes and how you can't put old wine into new wineskins. And then as he's talking about this, we're interrupted by this man, this ruler of the synagogue. Now you have to remember the time and the setting where Jesus is right now. He is in the midst of having all of this discourse with the religious leaders of that day. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. I mean, everybody was in their own thing, doing as if, doing, doing as they should have been doing until the coming of the Messiah. But yet they missed the Messiah. I wonder why that is. Do you think that maybe their life was so full of their religiosity that when Jesus came, there was no room? Wasn't it amazing that there was no room for him in the end? Isn't it always something about we're having to make room for him? We're, we, we can't go and take what he had that was new, that new wine, that fresh wine. We can't take it and put it to how we were. When the Bible speaks of repenting, it's talking about changing your mind, changing your thoughts. When John the Baptist recognized Jesus coming down the bank at the Jordan, he says, repent. Why do you think he's screaming repent? See, we, we took it to a religious matter and said, oh, we have to ask Jesus to forgive. Jesus wasn't even talking about it. Jesus spoke more of the kingdom in his speaking than he did of salvation. John said, repent. You have to change your thinking because what this man brings you, it's a new wine. He will blow your wine skin up if he pours what he has into you. Have you ever tried doing something new? I mean, we, we went through this kind of a process in the car business a lot. We would go and grab this type of program and this type of program and this type of program, and we would take a little bit from each one and try to put it together to make our own. Let me tell you something. In the car business, this is what I found. I could use the worst system 100% of the time, and my results would be far exceeding of using a little bit of a system all of the time. Because you, all of these systems are put together and you get the better benefit by using them in their totality. It's the same thing with Christianity. Don't you think that your benefit from Christianity would be better for you and those around you if you were to walk in it in its fullness? Not just on a Sunday or not just on a Wednesday. Or, or well, I believe that part, but I'm not sure about that part. Oh, that's in, that's in the churches. That's in the churches. We believe this, but we don't believe that. Why do you think we have denominations? Because man decided that he was going to intermingle ideology with theology, put them together, and make a church. I got news for whoever started the denominations. You have to face God Almighty. You will be to blame for the turmoil and the division in the churches. 
You don't speak of love, you speak of hatred. And if you hate your brother, God's not in you. Oh, there's a lot of news coming for denominations. We, mu- we must be careful. We must be careful that we speak and that we preach and we rightly divide the Word of God as we're charged to do, not as men would have us do. But out of nowhere, here comes Jarius, and he enters the scene. This, this religious model, this pastor, okay, he's pastor over the synagogue in that area of that time. And when we, we often think, and, we, and we'll misuse this a lot, if one person in a certain group says something, we take it as that whole group is talking the same thing. And that's not the case. Right here it is. Jairus comes. Jairus part of the religious the religious uh, scene, if you will. Every, all of this religious theater. Everybody's speaking against and going against Jesus' words. And the, everybody's trying to entrap him and pull him in. But lo and behold, here's this man. There's one man that decided, you know what? I've tried everything that you've had to offer me, and none of it's working, and my daughter's dying. I got one chance. I know you ain't going to like me when I do it, but I'm going. I know that you'll probably get me out of the picture and you won't have anything to do with me anymore. You'll call me the black sheep, the red-headed stepchild. You'll do it all, but I'm going. He made a decision in his mind that he had to make room. He, he, he was about to embark on something new that the others weren't going after. And he went with a full belief, I believe, from reading the scripture, he said, if you'll come and lay hands on her, she will live. He came with a full belief. He didn't come going, now maybe if you do it and she might. He said that she will. I mean, that's, that's profound with him. He's speaking totally out of character if you categorize him with everyone else in that day. He chose to go against the grain. I've often heard people talk about investment. Big investors get the biggest rewards. Also get the biggest hits too. But here he is, he's, he's coming and he, he's, he's talking, to, talking to Jesus and he's telling him all this and Jesus says, okay, I'm going to go with you. And he gets up and he starts to walk and lo and behold, there's an interruption. Have, have you ever, have you ever called on Jesus and you really thought things were turning around and then it seemed like Jesus wasn't there? Man, I can just see Jairus now. I just went to him. I told him what was happening. He said he was coming. I turn and I walk. I'm pushing people out the way. Excuse me, I'm making, making room for Jesus. Get, you got, get out of the move. Watch out. And he turns back and he looks and Jesus, where'd he go? He told me he was coming. I can see him now walking back through the crowd. Move, you got to get out of the way. I talked to him. I'm, I got an appointment. 
and he finds him in this crowd from a woman that's interrupted his journey. But nowhere have I found yet that Jairus spoke anything bad about that woman. I don't see where he got disgruntled. I just seen that he was making his way back. I'm going, look, I'm for real. I believe you. Too many times if we get an interruption, we'll go, well, I guess it wasn't my time. I guess it was hers. Be careful. Well, I guess that wasn't the will of God. Be careful. We fight spiritual principalities. Do you think just because Jesus is coming, Satan's leaving? He's going to fight too. He's after your mind just as much as God is. And Jerry shows up and I wrote a note about this on, on my Bible. That mo- most of, most of Jesus' dissertations and some of his miracles happened on the wayside. If you read through, it was on his way he would talk. On his way he was finding and on his way. See, if we could take a real sound principle out of that and apply it to the church. Don't just do good in the church, but do good on the way. Do good on the way. I think we missed that. We love you here. Talk about you there. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll, we'll go to lunch with you here. We'll badmouth you there. Don't. Don't let the gospel set and eat with you. Only Lord knows what's going to happen when they're done with you. Because they're going to get on the phones too. Even on the way home. Man, I just had a great lunch. And by the way, you should have seen how. So Jairus comes and he's asking God to do this. And he gets interrupted on the way. And Jesus takes care of the blood issue and. Well, she actually, it's kind of funny how that's married together with Jerry as then her in the middle and then Jairus again. So we'll just, we'll put her right here in the, in the middle of this too and talk about her because not only did Jairus make a way for Jesus, but she made way for Jesus because she went against everything that she has been taught, everything that she knew about that day and time of what she could and could not do. It's kind of funny that Jairus was an overseer of a synagogue and she wasn't allowed at the synagogue. Come on. Oh, uh oh. 12 years of blood. Daughter's 12 years old. Anytime I see something where they talk twice or three times, I want to draw my focus to that and I want to pay attention because that's how Jesus, that's how God deals with He deals with you in threes anyway. And anytime He says, hey, hey, I want to listen. The daughter being 12 and the lady having the issue of blood for 12 years. 12 meaning the, the power and the authority 
of the kingdom, the number 12. I mean, it goes all the way back to Adam, or it goes all the way back to Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Those 12 sons then became what? The 12 tribes of Israel, the governing power and authority over Israel, right? And it was just like the high priest. When the high priest was put into office and he would walk in and he would have that breastplate and there was 12 jewels on his breastplate, the, the, the thing of power and authority. And then it would go on even further and it, it even got to where Jesus shows up on the scene. And where do we find Jesus? The first time that we find him, he's in the synagogue. At the age of 12, um, revealing his power and his authority. See, we don't understand that. But then when Jesus went and got baptized, what happened then? Then Jesus went and he plucked 12 disciples. Sometimes I probably would have only gotten 11. But no, Jesus said he had to have 12 you can come too. I'd have left him wherever he was at. But Jesus brought in 12, representing power and authority. So there was something taking place here. God wants us to understand that he has power and authority. Whether you're an overseer of the synagogue or whether you're someone that's been rejected by the synagogue, he's got the power and authority. As long as you make a way, as long as you make room, he's got the power and authority to overcome whatever the problem, whatever the issue. It doesn't matter if it's sickness. It doesn't matter if it's death. We don't give him the credit. But he's done with the lady, and Jairus is back on the scene. Hey, Jesus. <laughs> and before he could begin to speak, some of his people, some of his church folk, <laughs> see, you know, you've been walking. <laughs> there might be a problem in your life. And you're dealing with church folk. And sometimes those church folk will bring you bad news. They always, right at the brink, right at the moment that you feel that your faith is full, here comes the church folk. They come in and say, oh, I don't even know why you bother the teacher. She's already dead. I don't know why you're going and talk to the pastor about it. This isn't going to happen. This isn't going to come through. The doctor's already said. I don't know why you're getting prayed for. The diagnosis is deadly. But it's church folk. They always want to show up on the scene. They always want to bring a negative. Church folk. I love what Jesus said. <laughs> the Bible says that Jesus heard. He said as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, he, he didn't talk to them. He didn't call them down. A lot of you want to waste your time and your efforts and your energy on church folk. That's why a lot of times I'm, <laughs> you'll get mad at me. It's okay. But that's, <laughs> I won't waste my time with you sometimes. If everything is negative and you don't want to believe and walk the word, why do I still have to be cold? Why do I still have to go and sit and drink tea with you when you're not doing anything in line with what you're praying? If not... <laughs> You have to put action to your asking. If you're going to pray to God and say, God, this is what I need, why aren't you walking that out? See, faith is stirred up. Faith without works is dead. So you can pray all day long. If you're not going to move into what you're praying and what you're believing, don't expect God to come and put something on a silver platter for you and lay it on your table. Begin to walk that thing. It don't look right. I know. 
but walk it out. Jesus didn't even waste his time. He never gave him two seconds. He said he heard it. He looked at Jairus. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Some of you need to hear that word. You're going through something. You're having a struggle. You got other people that's coming in saying something. That's a word for you right, right there. It's in red letters this morning. Don't be afraid. Just believe. God, you're doing good this morning. <laughs> and then he permitted no one. <laughs> oh, don't get mad when you see me going to lunch with four or five people and you weren't invited. <laughs> he didn't allow everybody to go. He allowed the ones that he knew. See, he had two separate people here. He had Jarius, which was in a mode of desperation. Then he had Peter, James, and John that was full of faith. They've been walking with it. They already know what Jesus can do. They're already standing in the back. Watch out, make room, because we know what's going to happen. And you've got Jarius with desperation that's willing to step outside of the norm. And say, God, I can't do it. You're going to have to do it. The church hasn't been able to do it. Sometimes it takes desperation and faith. Some of you ain't never had desperation. You, you thought you had it. You thought you had it when you stumped your toe, the little pinky toe on the corner of the bed. You thought you had desperation. That wasn't desperation. That was just being stupid, not turn the light on. Um, <clears throat> I ain't saying that because I've done it before too. Huh. It's kind of funny when he talks about, when, it, when he tells him, do not be afraid and only believe. Tommy, go to, go to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, this is what's being spoken here because of, because of Rachel and her, and her children gone. This is what's being spoken. This might be a word for you. You might want to mark this in your Bible. This might be a word just for you because there are things that maybe you haven't gone through yet. Maybe you're not going through them now, but you may end up facing them. And this might be a word that you need. Refrain your voice from weeping. <laughs> I know what it seems like. I know how it feels, but refrain your voice. Why, why does he point to the voice? Power of life and death in the tongue. Refrain your voice from weeping. Don't be crying, woe is me. And your eyes from tear. Quit, quit crying over everything. And if you're going to cry, don't stay in it. Ecclesiastes says there's a time for weeping. And there's a time for joy. There's a time for laughter. There's going to be times that's going to, that life's going to show up and shake something in your life, and it's going to be dramatic. And, it, and, and it's, going to, it's, going to, it's going to wipe you off your feet. It's catching you off guard. 
You're not going to be prepared for it. You're not ready for it. And it's going to grab you. And when it snatches you, you've got to be able to get back on your feet. See, some people, there are those that want to be snatched out of depression and out of being the victim. There are some that truly want that. But if you watch their character and their demeanor, they're constantly moved towards that. Oh, they, you might have to lend them a shoulder and cry, but they're going to wipe their tears. Man, can we go to do lunch? Can I, I need to get out of here. Can we go? To, they want to go. Now, the other ones that don't care to be healed or delivered or set free, they'll go, I need your shoulder to cry on it, then I want to stay in that same dark room when you leave. They don't even want to go anywhere. Hey, you want to go out and grab? No, I don't want to do it. Hey, you want to go? No, I don't want to go. Hey, you want Some people love being victimized because of all the attention they get. And see, we as Christians, we have, we're part of the problem. I'm going to mourn with you when you need somebody to mourn with. But LB, I'm also going to be the guy to say, hey, it's all good. God's got you. We're going to get through this. We're going to move on. Let's go have some ribs. <laughs> Sit down, LB. But some people want to be held up into that. And you've got to be careful of those that you go and coddle. I used to tell Debbie all the time, what did I call you? The enabler? My son do something wrong, get caught in a bad shape or what? Enabler. My daughter get caught, Enabler. I love my children. Don't get me wrong. And don't come against my children. I love my children, but I will not enable them. You can't sit and be a victim all your life. Setting back in woe. Even the Bible talks about that. Don't work. <laughs> Ain't no better than an infidel. <laughs> well, we don't like that kind of preaching, but that's word. Stop being a victim. Be victorious for once in your life. Snatch yourself up by your booster. I'm still trying to learn that, so if any of y'all know how to do that, please tell me, because my dad used to say, boy, get yourself by the bootstraps and get it. I mean, I can't. How do you do that? But he's saying, get up and move on. Dust your pants off. Lift your head. <laughs> Unto the heels. Where your help comes from. You can't lift it when you're going, ooh, ooh, ooh. And you're doing that for like years. I understand there's a process in healing sometimes. I get, listen to me, I understand that. I get it. But the reason I can be so passionate about it is because I do get it. Because I have been there. Sitting in depression for six months. Fighting the thoughts of suicide. I've been there. I know what it's about. 
And if you condition yourself to such a, to such a space, you'll fall to it. We've got to condition our minds. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. By the, change your mind. You're not a victim. Yes, it hurt. Tears are only for the night. God, I'm trying to get through some of this. For your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord. Man, if you can just stay the course. And they shall come back from the land of the enemy. I love this part. There is hope in your future, says the Lord. If you don't hear nothing else today for that, I don't care what you fight right now. I don't care how I don't care how broke you are. I don't care how sick the doctors say you are. There is hope for your future. Says the Lord, not me, says the Lord. We got to move out of this thing sometimes. Don't be, Jairus could have been caught there. You thought I lost my place. Jairus could have been caught there. Jairus could have went, well, she's dead. That's done and over with. She's dead and gone. There's nothing I can do. I can't, well, sorry, G. See, (laughs) there's a difference, man, when you're faced with obstacles and you have faith. There's a difference. You can say you have faith, but when your faith is tested, It's easy to go to Jesus and ask him to heal your sick child. That's it. That's baby faith. <laughs> Believe him enough when she's dead. Jairus could have said, too late, Jesus. Don't even bother. It's all good. Turn and walk like most Christians. Kicking a can down the street. Woe is me. And people say, what church you go to? I go to one church. Don't tell them that. <laughs> if they catch you kicking a can down, don't tell them that. Tell them you go to the Cornerstone Bethacostal Minister Presbyterian Church on First Street or something. Tell them you go to that one. Because we, we're raising up a warrior. When you feel defeated, we are raising a warrior. Don't get hung in your circumstance. Man, I've watched it in personal in my personal life and people's around me. I've, I've watched it. Be on fire, gung-ho, ready to rock and roll, buddy, and as soon as a door shut, they sit on the step. Guess what it meant for me to go in? That's a lie from hell. I know what I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Why? 
Why would you want to sit there? Have you, has anybody in here other than me ever been there? It is lonely. So much so that almost you can smell depression. It's a stench. Don't let it grasp your heart. You stand up. If you are a child of God, you state, I am a child of God. If you're not a child of God, you may want to become a child of God. See, we don't like to hear that preaching either. God's not held to cover you if you're not in his fold. God talked about outsiders and insiders, the sinner and the saved, the hellions and the saints. And we want to say, well, I love the Lord. Good for you. And he permitted no one to follow, so he left the church folk there. He said, y'all stay over here. Trust me, you do better vacuuming the carpet and cleaning the windows. Stay here. We got to go do the Lord's work. We'll be back. He took Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, with him. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult, 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 whatever, However you want to pronounce it. Y'all look at that word. Y'all pronounce it in your own little minds and y'all get happy about what the word says. But let me tell you what it means. It's disorderly. <laughs> disorderly agitation. Confusion of voices. What's Jesus going to find in your life when he comes to your house? Will it be a confusion of voices? Will you be speaking one thing one day and something another? Have you ever had issues going on? Man, we have fought this. There's so much agitation in the home and it's all disorderly. That ain't God coming to That's the enemy causing an issue. See, Jesus seen, man, he's seen this. He seen, he knew what he was about to face. He already knew. I can just imagine. Wait a minute, this is. Man of God. 
I'm sure what nobody at his house but elders and deacons. All the Christian folk. Oh, dear God. And there was a confusion of voices. <laughs> You're not talking like you should be talking. You're, you're saying something based on what you see. <laughs> if you're a Christian, you're walking by, not by. He knew what he just walked up into. See, most of us would tuck tail and run. You get up in the middle of that man and you go, uh, uh gotta go. And Jesus already knew. So he's going he's gonna to state something. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion? He's, I love God because he'll bring you back to order. Why are you making this commotion? He didn't. I know, I know, I know. Y'all like the pastor, Jesus. I know. See, if I can preach about the pastor, Jesus, it's all good. Because pastor Jesus just puts his arm around you and says, I know, baby girl. I know, I know. It's going to be, this is my wife, so I can do this. I know, baby girl, it's going to be okay. I, I know what you're going through. Okay, it's okay. Jesus ain't going to touch not a nair one of them. He went in and approached exactly what was behind what he was hearing. Whoa, why are you having this commotion in here? And then he went against. He addressed it. <laughs> oh, God, he, he addressed the gates of hell. Because he brought order back into the place. Then when he addressed the gates of hell, he brought the kingdom with him. Yes, he did. Pay attention. He said, because she ain't dead, she's only sleeping. What? <laughs> that ain't what you see, it's what you believe. God, I love you. You're awesome. And they ridiculed him. God ain't going to heal you. I don't know why you're praying for your marriage. It ain't coming back together. If I was you, I'd just leave him. Tell him, pack his bag, sister. <laughs> I done better run them folk, too. <laughs> or many of them. Come and tell you how to run your marriage. How many marriages you on now? Five. <laughs> what? Well, we've said, listen, this is a failure in the church. This is a failure in the church. Because you don't want, let me back it up because I don't want to place all the blame on that person. Let's back it up. Because what you hear going around at the scuttlebutt, that's a water fountain. 
Navy terminology. Because of what you hear, the gossip that's spreading around, because y'all won't keep your mouth shut when you go to lunch. You talk about everybody and everything. Because you put all that stuff out there, the people that needed to go to the pastor and receive counseling, godly counsel on their marriage, they refuse because they're scared that you're going to run your mouth and everybody's going to know their business. So what, what do they do? We go outside the church, baby. Don't we? Go outside the church. I'm going to go get me a counselor. The one that's got that, you know, the one that's got that thing up here. Right there. Sitting right there. I graduated from the University of Know-It-All. Right there. You didn't read the fine print. Graduated from the University of Know-It-All except Jesus Christ. We've sat in front of them. Families tore upside down. Got a wife going one way, a husband going another, and the children in the middle. Trying to figure out who's what and why is what. And we go run outside the church, go to a counselor. He's got the audacity. To look at somebody's got a call on his life and say, Sir, it ain't gonna work. You probably should get a divorce. And then find out. You know why it was so easy for him to say that? Because he'd gone through five. Buddy, I should have read your resume. We take for granted that the people that we're going to see know what they're doing. You better start checking. The Bible says that you try the spirit. Oh, try every spirit. <laughs> but when he had put them all outside, <laughs> he had to make room. I hadn't heard all I want to hear. You just said all you're going to say. Peter, James, John, get them out. Actually, the Greek would actually emphasize it in this manner, that Jesus literally put his hands on them and put them outside. I serve a bad man. Jesus ain't playing. Why do we think he's playing? He didn't give them cookies and juice and say, go outside in the, in the playground, sit for a minute, and I'll be right back. Get out. Get out. We have to make room for the kingdom and he knew it and I'm going to make room just like this get out I know you've heard it some of you the olders probably have heard it too people say oh I wish I grew up in the Bible times Well, 15 minutes, Jesus would have had you in the corner. <laughs> yeah, he would have. See? This little sissy spirit that we've allowed in a church.
He took the father and the mother, desperation. Daddy had faith. He still believed. And he took Peter, James, and John, <laughs> sons of thunder. That's what happened. Son, that's why he took them. <laughs> See, that's why I, if you a sissy, I ain't calling you to help me. I want the boys. Bring on the boat. Why do you think my security is so big? Where you at? <laughs> huh? Why do you think I got big security? I don't want a little sissy. Now, just don't go in here, right? Get out. See, y'all ain't as excited about this as I am. I, I, all I get to do is underline and circle words, and I let him. He, he's just good. He took the child by the hand. He said to her, Talitha Kuma. But he commanded them that no one should know. These, all the people. Because, <sighs> Jesus, fix my eyes. Immediately the girl arose and rose and walked for she, she was 12 years of age and then they overcome, there it is, and they were overcome with great amazement. Anytime that God permits you or anyone else to be a witness of a miracle, it's not that you glorify the person that was praying for somebody, and it's not that you glorify the person that's been healed or whatever else. When God is using miracles, all the way through the Bible, typically it's for the outsiders. It's for the sinner to see. It's for the sinner to see. So that they might come to know the Lord. Something happened. Something happened right here. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly. No one's to know. I said, wait a minute. This... What's going on? I've done a series of a sermon in Charlottesville about he hides me. <laughs> oh, if he calls you, sweetheart, he'll hide you until your day. <laughs> Look at David, anointed king, 12 years of age. Now, go watch the sheep. I'll train you over here in the corner. I ain't going to let everybody see everything. You stay over here. He'll hide you. So I went, okay, he's hiding Jesus. Jesus saying, don't tell nobody. Because you tell them, they're going to know where I'm at and what's going on. Just, shh. Not here. They were struck with utter amazement. They were struck 
with utter amazement. <laughs> they were confounded. Never mind. See, Jesus expected, I won't say Jesus expected, but Jesus seen something that we didn't see here in Scripture. Because any time that anyone else would see this amazement, these people, these groves of people would begin to follow Jesus. Remember, he talks about his disciples all the time, and we get hung up thinking it's just the 12. It, there were hundreds thousands that would follow him. Something was different about this group. Maybe, I'll say that, maybe Jesus, when he seen what they'd done, he expected the others that would come to know him and follow him and be his disciple. And they were so utterly amazed. They were just drooling and just kind of looking. It didn't encounter with their faith. Maybe, maybe it appeared to them as some kind of magic. Or maybe the girl really wasn't dead. See, you don't believe any of that, but I'm telling you, I've watched God do miracles in front of people, and they look and go, and they give you every reason in the book to attach something else to that miracle. Don't they? And the doctors can't say nothing when you're told one time that Oh, there's a spot on the thyroid. And then you go back and you demand another. And there is none. See, I just heard that from you too. That religious spirit, I, I heard it. Well, maybe when they done it, the thing shifted or this. See, we allow our minds, we allow our intellect to get in the way of our faith. Because if it's not logical, and it never will be, we don't believe it. That's why many Christians still walk by sight. Faith is so important. Jesus said, I wonder, when I come, will I even find any faith? That's scary. You're sitting here right now. Say that you have faith because it takes faith to be saved. Hear me. It takes faith to be saved. And Jesus spoke and said, when I return, will I even find any faith? 